Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us this week for our next lesson in our series on the book of Ephesians. Today we start the practical part of Ephesians, the practical half in which Paul tells us that we are to walk worthy, be imitators, and put on the armor of God. Today is the first part in our lesson on walking worthy. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, Paul talks about how we are to walk worthy, and he gives us four things that we should do when we are walking worthy, four characteristics that we should emulate. Today we're going to talk about two of those. Well, we hope you enjoy this lesson. Thanks again for joining True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Ephesians chapter 4. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go ahead and get started uh, today. I'm going to read uh, only three verses. We're going to be on three verses for the next two weeks. We're going to do a part one and a part two um, about walking worthy. Walking worthy, that's what we're going to be talking about uh, because that's what Paul talks about. So we'll look at it and we'll see how we can take some application from it. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll read those three verses if you're there. If not, uh, that's all right. You guys can catch up. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk worthy in a manner uh, of the calling which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. Thank you for all you've done for us, God, and thank you for... Um, just giving us your word. Uh, thank you for allowing us to come here and meet and have the freedom to do that. Um, and I just pray that as we uh, talk this morning, as we look at your word, uh, that you'd encourage or convict us as needed, God. We love you, and we pray all this through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as you guys know that have been in here for a while, you know we've been going through the book of Ephesians for uh, seven, eight weeks now, and we've been talking about the theological part of the book. So chapters 1 through 3, for those of you who haven't been here, are all about theology. Paul goes in and he talks about theology. Who are we? Who is the church? And all this kind of stuff. And chapter 4 uh, starts the practical side of it. Okay, Practical just means that it's stuff that we can uh, look at and we can do very easily. And he starts saying, okay, because of all this theology, because of who we are in Christ, because of who the church is, here's what we need to do about it. Okay, That's what practical means. And the book's really split into two parts like that. So... All the fifth graders came in on the on the good day, okay? Because we're starting basically the second section of Ephesians, and in this very first part, he says, "Hey, now that we're talking about practical, we need to. We, I want you guys, as a body, as a church, to walk worthy. To walk worthy. That's the first thing that he says that they need to do. And he says that they need to walk worthy of their calling. And verse uh, verse one, right there. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner." worthy of the calling which you have been called. So he says, I want you to walk worthy of your calling. So what's he saying? That's the first thing we need to talk about because we're going to be talking about this for two weeks. He says he wants them to walk worthy and he gives them four things that he wants them to do as a part of walking worthy of the calling. Now to walk, when he says to walk, he just means live. What's up, Hayden? He just means to live, okay? So it's like to live out your faith or to do something, right? To walk is the way you live. So he's saying, hey, I want you to live worthy of your calling okay and when he says worthy it means like appropriate or as you should so like you guys know like the knights of like the medieval age and stuff they were supposed to be worthy to be a knight okay you guys uh you guys have all heard, heard of this guy right sir lancelot 
at Sir Lancelot. He was a knight of the round table. I got the same one to read to you about Sir Lancelot. This is what people said about Sir Lancelot. He was one who was worthy to be a knight okay, at the round table. It says Sir Lancelot, okay, he was the son of King Ban of Benwick and Queen Elaine. Uh, Lancelot was the first knight at the round table, and he had never failed in gentleness and courtesy or courage. In addition to his courage and prowess on the battlefield, meaning he was a really good swordsman, Lancelot was also a knight who was consistently serving others, thus giving him a good name and favor among his circles. It has been said that Lancelot was the greatest fighter and swordsman of all the knights of the round table, which is a big deal, and yet he was also extremely intelligent and known for his charm and humor. Legend tells us that as a child, Lancelot was left on the shores of the lake and found by Vivian, a lady of the lake, caring for her. Okay, that's all legend and stuff, and she raised him up uh, to be one of history's greatest knights. The whole point of that, though, is this guy, Sir Lancelot, was known for being worthy of being a knight at the round table. If you guys know about the knights at the round table, they were supposed to be courteous, gentlemen. They were uh, supposed to be chivalrous. And he was all of those things on top of being worthy because he was a good fighter. He was one of the best fighters or the best fighter at the round table is what they say. So he was worthy. He was worthy of what he was supposed to be doing. And Paul says to us, as a part of the body of Christ, as a part of the church, because that's what we've been talking about, he says that all of us, you guys, need to live worthy of being a part of that church. Because we need to be living worthy of the, of the calling. of the calling. So what's the calling? Well, in the context of Ephesians, uh, for those of you who have been in here, we know we've been going over this. Ephesians 1.4 and Ephesians 2.10. Uh, we've been talking about the church as a whole, and Ephesians 1.4 says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. And if you guys remember, we talked about how uh, Paul really there is talking about a practical application of the church being holy and blameless. We are holy and blameless positionally because of Christ, but He also wants us to be holy and blameless, especially if we pair it with 2.10, in our walk or in our life or how we live. We're supposed to be holy and blameless because, remember, we're supposed to be the lights of the world and the ambassadors now um, for Christ. And 2.10, He goes along with that. He says, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for Him that we would walk in them. Same language there that he's using. So Paul says in these two verses, as well as in four, that we should be walking or living according to that calling, which is to be ambassadors, to be lights to the world. Okay, remember we've, we've been talking, and again, I know some of you guys haven't been here for it, but we've been talking about how um, Israel never, or the church never replaces Israel, right? We've been talking about that, but we did talk about how it's different for Gentiles in the New Testament than it was for them in the Old Testament. Remember how we've been talking about that? How Gentiles now can be with God, and they couldn't be with God before, and Gentiles can be ambassadors and lights for God, whereas Israel was that in the Old Testament. So he goes along with this line of thought and says, hey, now that you Gentile and Jewish church together, now you guys are together, now you guys are with God together as a church, Okay, you guys need to walk worthy of your calling. And you'll walk worthy of being ambassadors for Christ. And you'll walk worthy of having the Holy Spirit in you, which is also one of the blessings we talked about later and things like that. Okay, so that is who we are, and he says we need to be worthy of it. Okay, we're supposed to be a church, Jews and Gentiles together, who are walking worthy. Okay, and then he gives us four qualities. Okay, he gives us four qualities that we want that he wants us to do or wants us to show through the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants us to show these qualities. Um, and we're going to look at two of them today. 
What's up, Zayden? Part of work, walking worthy of the calling, guys, is going to be these four qualities. Two of them we're looking at today. Okay, we're looking at humility is going to be the first one, and then we'll look at gentleness. Okay, if you read uh, verse two, he says in verse one, we should walk worthy of that calling which we've been called with all humility and gentleness. With all humility and gentleness. And then he goes on and says, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Be diligent to preserve unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So first thing we're going to look at is the humility and gentleness, okay? But first, as he says that, at the very first start of uh, 2, he says, with all humility. I want to mention this, that with all, when you look at it, and you kind of look at the Greek there, it just means the whole, or every part, or every kind, or every area. It just means all, right? All means all. Everybody knows what all means. Okay, but when you're talking about it, uh, he says, with all humility and gentleness. Sometimes, I was, when I was reading it, I was kind of like, what do you mean with all? And that's why I kind of looked it up. But what do you mean with all? Well, it just means in every aspect of your life, you need to be doing this. Okay, and I started thinking about that. I was like, man, sometimes it's easy for me to show certain qualities in one area of my life, but not in the other. For example, it's easy for me to show humility when I win. And it's harder for me to show humility when I lose. Right? So Paul's not saying, hey, just show humility when you feel like or when you're good at it. Show humility all the time. It's easy for me to show self-control personally with food. It's harder for me to show self-control with cheating when I feel like other people are cheating, even if they're not. I feel like they're cheating. It's hard for me to show self-control in those times. But it's easier for me to not eat a cookie. Some people are reversed, right? And so... Paul says, in every part, in every area of your life, you need to show these four things. In every area of your life. And the whole goal, if you look at verse 3, is to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We want to be unified as a church. Um, and as we do that. So, first thing we're going to look at, we're going to look at humility. Okay, Humility is putting others ahead of yourself. It's putting others ahead of yourself. The main place I get this definition from is uh, Philippians. Okay, In Philippians 2, 3-4. through 4, And really 5-8 through 8 goes on and talks about it as well. But... 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with all humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. If you can see from this verse, that humility is putting others above yourself. It's putting others above yourself. And so, through that, uh, that vein of thought, I think there's two extremes of humility. Like having... You could say too much humility, which isn't necessarily logically true, but too much humility or not enough humility. Okay, not enough humility would be what? Pride. Be pride, right? So not enough humility is pride. Okay, and then too much humility. I call it. You can call it a lot of things, but I call it just like self-deprecation, if you will. So it's just like tearing yourself down, basically. Um, And so we're going to look at those two things really quick because. One thing I want you guys to remember is that humility is never self-focused. Okay, whether good or bad, humility is not self-focused. Okay, so it's not focused on yourself. When we're looking at pride, okay, pride is focused on the good about yourself, right? So if I'm prideful, I'm focused on the good about me. What am I good at? And I'm focusing on that, and that's that ends up that turns into pride, right? That's that's where pride comes from. Okay, self-deprecation or like. Tearing yourself down is focused on the bad about yourself to, to an extreme, right? And we talked a couple weeks ago about how we need to see our sin to point us to God's grace. Okay, and that's not, don't take anything too extreme, but 
uh, self-deprecation would be like, hey, I'm so fo- I'm focused on the bad about myself all the time. Humility is focused on others. So pride is focused on the good about myself. Self-deprecation is like focusing about the bad in myself. And humility is focusing about good about others. It's focused on other people. Okay, and so in our lives, Paul says, hey, I want you to be humble. I want you to be humble. And in verse 3, he says that he wants us to do this to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Okay, he wants to have unity in the body. Okay, and if we're not humble, then we're not going to be promoting uh, unity. Okay, if you're not humble with your friends, you're not going to have a very great relationship with them. If you're prideful towards them, okay, or if you're always tearing yourself down in front of them, both of those things, your friend's probably not going to want to be around you. Your relationship probably isn't going to grow from those things. It's going to grow from humility, which is going to be like encouraging your friend, your brother, sister, whoever, um, about the good things about themselves. So, answer the question, how can you be more humble? Okay, the answer should involve others, not solely yourself. Okay, so if you're like, hey, how can I be more humble? And then you're like, Oh, blah, 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 and it didn't, you didn't mention anything about anyone else, then it's probably not a good answer about how you could be humble. You're, you're probably focused on yourself, right? Humility is focusing on others. It's um, having a high regard, as Philippians says, for other people, or putting others above yourself. That's what humility is, and Paul says that we need this. We need humility in our lives if we're going to walk worthy, and we want to walk worthy, Right? We want to be worthy of who we are in Christ. Alright? Okay. Gentleness. Okay, if you go on in verse 2. With all humility and gentleness. Now, this is how I define gentleness. Okay, we'll look at the Greek in a second. But gentleness is treating a person or a situation with empathy. Okay, meaning you care about them or how they're feeling. And tenderly handling what comes with compassion. Okay, that's what I define gentleness as. Okay, in the Greek, in the New Testament, the Greek word uh, that he used for gentleness is used as humility, uh, meekness, and gentleness, all in the New Testament. Um, and so, and they're two different Greek words. So like the humility in verse 2 and the gentleness in verse 2, they're two different Greek words, but both have been used as humility, okay, which is kind of interesting because it could be translated with all humility and humility with patience. Okay, but there is a difference here, and I think the, the biggest difference here, um, well, one, in order to be gentle, you have to be humble, first off. And that's part of the reason why they're very similar words. Okay? I mean, you can't be prideful. and be. It's not really being gentle if you're being prideful because you're doing it uh, pridefully and you're looking down upon them, which isn't gentle because you're not showing empathy and tenderly handling what comes with compassion. You're not caring about what other people think. You're caring about yourself in prideful. So even if I'm gentle in action towards Gatlin, if I'm prideful about it, I'm actually thinking about myself, not about his actual feelings, about what he cares about. It's just a, a look, like, hey, I'm just trying to look gentle in front of people. Okay, so you have to be humble to be gentle. Uh, but also, also, I look at humility from that passage in Philippians as a mindset. It says, let us regard others, right? And then, actually, we didn't read it, but in the verse after, it says, have this mindset Uh, in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So it's a mindset of having other people above yourself. Putting others first. Does that make sense? Gentleness, I think, is the action. It's like carrying it out. It's like actually putting others first in your actions. Um, And so that's how I kind of distinguish them. They're both, it's both humility. I mean, they're both, you have to be humble for both, and both are gentle. 
You have to use them both, and they work so close together, and that's why we're talking about them both today. Uh, but there also are two extremes to gentleness, okay? So there's two extremes to humility, pride and self-deprecation. There's two extremes to gentleness too, okay? Harshness and timidity, okay? Harshness and timidity, okay? Harshness is not showing empathy in action, okay? Not showing empathy in action. So you can be stern and not be harsh, right? Because you can, can you show empathy or uh, care about someone and be stern with them? Do I care about Pike when I when I discipline him? Yeah. Yeah, I do. In fact, Proverbs says if I don't discipline, I don't care about him. Okay, so I I show him empathy, but I'm disciplining him, and so that's being stern, but not being harsh. Harsh is not showing that empathy. Okay, towards someone. Timid. Timid is not being willing to stand for truth or discipline. So this would be when I don't discipline Pike because I don't want to hurt him or hurt his feelings, but I know it's right to discipline Pike. You know what I'm saying? So like, hey, I know Pike, whatever, needs a timeout. And I know that's what he needs. But I'm not going to do it because I don't want to hurt him. Or I, I don't, I, he's not going to like it. Or he's going to scream or whatever. And so I don't do it. That's, that's being timid. Great example of timid. Eli. Um, most of you guys probably remember this story. Uh, probably know it. Uh, but Eli was a priest. He's a priest of God. Back in the times of Samuel, when Samuel was a little boy. And... Eli had two sons. They're grown men. And they were horrible, horrible people. Like they were terrible, terrible, terrible people. And they were priests too. Okay, they were priests too. Now, Eli was ahead, and these two guys, his sons, were underneath of him. Right? He sh- what they did should have, under law and everything, they should have died. He should have killed them. Okay, at very least, he should have kicked them out and not allowed them to be priests anymore, not allowed them to serve God anymore the way that they were. And in fact, it says before this that they had no fear of God. They didn't, they didn't even know God. Meaning that they didn't, they didn't believe in the coming Messiah. They didn't believe that they were, they didn't care about the God of Israel at all. Okay, and they're serving that God and the priests. Obviously, they're doing it for wrong motives. They're doing it for themselves because they can get stuff out of it. Okay, so this is Eli rebuking them. Now, Eli shouldn't have rebuked them. He should have kicked them out. Okay, this is what he says though. He said to them, meaning Eli says to his sons, Why do you do such things? The evil things that I hear from all these people. No, my sons, for the report is not good which I hear of the Lord's uh, people circulating. He says, People are talking, and I hear it, and you guys aren't doing good. Okay, if one man sins against another, God will mediate for him, but if a man sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to his voice. Uh, the voice of their father, for the Lord desired to put them to death. Okay, so here's the deal. Eli was timid. Yeah, that sounds good. Eli was timid. Okay, he he should have disciplined them, and he didn't. He wasn't willing to do that. Now, if you just read this, you could say, well, he was being gentle towards them. He's being gentle towards them. But he w- he was being too gentle. Okay, if you will. And, and honestly, he wasn't showing empathy towards them. Um, and he wasn't being compassionate towards them because what they needed was more than this. Right? And God actually, I mean, God took, takes care of it. God ends up disappointing them, putting them both to death. And he actually puts Eli to death too. And I think a lot of it has to do with because he didn't deal with his sons. Okay? But he was too timid. He was too timid. So we can be too harsh. We can be too timid. And Paul says you need to be gentle. You need to be gentle in what you do with each other. You need to be humble and you need to be gentle. So the question is, how can you be more gentle? 
okay? How can you be more gentle? If the answer requires you to not do something that should be done, try again. So, if you're, for my, my own personal life, okay, if I say, hey, I need to be gentle by not disciplining Pike anymore, is that gentleness? No. No. That's not gentleness, okay? That's not caring about him, okay? If, let's say, you have a really close friend or a brother or a sister, and they're repeatedly doing something wrong, and you know it, and you know that you need to go talk to them in love and gentleness, okay? But you decide that being gentle is just not talking to them at all. Is that, is that gentleness? No. No, gentleness is going talking to them the right way, going and talking to them in love. And so how can we be more gentle? We all need to answer that question. We need to be more humble. We need to be more gentle. Okay. Next we'll look at the impact. Um, and then we'll wrap it up as soon as we're done with the impact. Uh, but I'm going to give you guys a few things to think about. Okay. The impact. How? These are a question for you. How and to whom can you be more humble and gentle? Okay. Are you willing? Okay. Are you wanting to walk worthy? That's the first question. Okay. And we're going to talk about this next week too. But are you willing to walk worthy? You want to walk worthy of the calling. You want to promote unity in the body and among each other, okay? So hopefully we want to do that. And then are you humble and gentle? How can you be more humble and gentle? Who can you be more humble and gentle to, okay? Humility, okay? Some things to think about with humility. When people give you praise, and I'm not good at this. I'm trying to get better. But when people give you praise for what you do, do you deflect that praise? Do you deflect that praise? Deflect means that you, it's almost like... uh, Somebody shines a light on a mirror, and what happens? It, it bounces off, so it goes somewhere else, right? And so that's kind of what deflecting the glory would be. So if somebody says, hey, uh, Greta, really good job with this. You say, you know, God gave me the ability to do that. And I was listening to this book, um, and it was talking about, like, pain and stuff like this from people. And the guy was talking about how pain is good because it helps you realize your dependence on God. Okay, and a lot of times our pride says, hey, I can live without God. Now, we would never say that, not even in our minds, but we'd act like it. Like, like if I'm just going throughout my day without thinking about God, I forget that without Him I couldn't even breathe. Like, everything in my body only works because of Him. Every ability I have only works because of Him. Okay, the only reason I can walk is because of Him. And so, when we go throughout life without deflecting glory, without giving God glory for things in our life, then we end up just walking around as prideful people all the time. Does that make sense? Kind of. Like we're just prideful because we're not giving glory to God. And if we give glory to God, then it helps us with humility. Okay? Um, another thing that you can do that's really like a good exercise for trying to be more humble is think of somebody in your mind right now that you don't like that much. Okay? Everybody think of somebody in your mind and raise your hand when you can think of that somebody. Everybody got somebody in their mind that they're thinking of that they don't... Or maybe not even... It doesn't even have to be like, I don't, like, I hate them or I don't like... But like somebody that just kind of can annoy you or get on your nerves, you know, anything like that. Like, I'm not saying like it's like, Saul, David, I hate you. It's just like, you know... Somebody that can really get on your nerves, you know. It's basically everyone for me, right? Everybody can get on my nerves at some point. 
Okay, what you need to do to practice being humble is be on the lookout for things that that person does really well and go tell them that they're doing really well with it. Okay? Remember, humility is regarding others more highly than yourself. So if you can regard somebody that annoys you more highly than yourself, that's really working on your humility. Think about Jesus, right? He regarded us human scum as more highly than himself. And uh, if you read like John or the Gospels, he goes around and he like praises like his disciples for stuff or people for things. It's like, dude, why, how can you praise Peter for doing that? Like, he's a terrible person, at, right? We all are. We're all terrible people. And so, like, how can you as the God of the universe praise Peter? Well, he was humble. He regarded us higher than himself. He, he became lower than the angels. He didn't, it says in that Philippians that he didn't regard equality with God as something to be grasped. So just be thinking about hum, humility in that way and how you can be humble. And then gentleness. The thing I think we can try and be gentle with uh, for myself and a good thing to just think about, Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So how can we gently answer people? Okay, especially people that are angry with us. If you guys have, I had five brothers and sisters, you guys know that. So I got in fights all the time, right? Because it's just a lot of siblings and a lot of opinions and stuff like that. So um, for me, at that time in my life, uh, it would have been gently answering my brothers and sisters when they came to accuse me of something or to literally just tell me something to annoy me, okay? Uh, my brother Garrett, uh, which some of you guys have met him, some of you guys met him yesterday. But uh, he was like the annoying brother, okay? So don't say any names, okay, if you have an annoying brother or sister. But, and he'll admit it. But he was like, he was like, he'd come and just try and poke you and push your buttons. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was the kid that, like, he would come and, like, punch me in the arm. I'd be like, get off me. And then he'd fall over and start crying and be like, Mom, Hunter pushed me. And then I'd get in trouble, you know that? So, uh, <laughs> but anyway... Instead of what I usually did, which was like put him in a headlock, I could answer gently and be like, you know what, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have pushed you. And guess what? That turns away wrath. It's a gentle answer. And uh, there's a lot of times in our life when we can give a gentle answer. So if you want to walk worthy, which I think hopefully all of you do, because uh, I do and Paul says we should, if we want to walk worthy this week in our lives, worthy of the calling, let's try and be humble and let's try and be gentle. Okay, humble and gentle. All right, let's pray. Thanks again for joining us for True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. If you enjoyed this lesson, make sure you subscribe so you can hear the rest of the lessons on True to the Bible podcast. And if you have any questions regarding this lesson or any of the other lessons, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for joining us.